the book of Joshua models for us what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We learned early that the word Joshua is actually the same word translated into Greek as Jesus. It just simply means God saves. And so we read the book of Joshua and we have to think and we have to speak of what Jesus has done for us that's modeled for us in the book of Joshua. Is that the kind of stories that you tell in your home and remind your children of? This is the great thing that God has done for us. We need to speak often of what Jesus has done on the cross. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Today we'll conclude our series in the book of Joshua. And throughout this study, we've learned from the example of the Israelites what it looks like to move onward in faith against many obstacles, trials, and difficulties. Now that Joshua is at the end of his life, the most important thing on his mind is to make sure that the people of God leave a godly legacy for the next generation. We learned last week that we can leave an example to follow by modeling what it looks like to know God and speak often about what He has done for us. Do you know who's got next in your church or family? Let's listen now as Pastor Trent teaches how we can be sure we're leaving a godly legacy for those who will come after us. Here's Pastor Trent. Now, this is what I want you to do. We are now finished with the book of Joshua, but I want you to turn probably in your Bible two pages. We are now in the book of Judges, and I want you to find chapter 2. And I want us to read what it says beginning in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel each went to his inheritance to take possession of the land. Verse 7, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. Is, does this sound familiar? This is identical to the last few verses in the book of Joshua. And he goes on in verse 9. They buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance at Timnath-Harris in the hill country of Ethereum, north of the mountain of Gaash. And then he adds this comment in verse 10. What happened next? And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That's a kind way of saying they died too. They were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that He had done for Israel, that generation did not receive the knowledge of the Lord. We're not told what happened, but at some point there was a failure in the previous generation to make known to the next generation all that God had done. Now, it's not just about passing on head knowledge, but it is about modeling what it looks like to know the Lord. It's not an ACT Bible test. 
It's not a Bible quiz. It's not Bible trivia that is going to make the difference in the next generation. It's going to be when they see someone who has the knowledge live it out in a way that says, I want to serve the Lord the same way you served the Lord. That's what Joshua had done. Do you think it's significant that for 110 years, that generation had a model to follow in Joshua, but when Joshua died and all the elders died, apparently there was no model to follow at that point? Now, do you know what a model is? I mean, think about that. You know what a model is? A model is someone who wears something and makes it look so good, you want it too. Has that ever happened to you? I'm, right now, I am modeling this jacket. I'm like, he looks good tonight, you know? Where did he get that? I, 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 want one, I want one of those. And hopefully, the best thing that I model for you is not a coat. Hopefully, the best thing I model for you is how to live a life that knows God. How do you live and survive in a world with all of its aches and pains and temptations and trials and the sufferings of this life and all of the obstacles and all of the enemies? Do you know what Joshua modeled? He modeled strength and he modeled courage. And he modeled faith and he modeled what it looked like to move onward. On uh, Thursday uh, morning, I was in my office and a dear member of our church came to the office and she was so excited. She just said, I had to come to the church and I had to tell the pastor what happened last night. And she told me a story. She said, uh, she said uh, two years ago, um, my husband lost his job. It was a very prominent position and, and he's a very qualified man and, and just kind of for some unknown reason, that job was taken away and he was, he was jobless and he had to start the job search and and all the while, they were living for the Lord, they were serving the Lord, and, and, and there were question marks in their mind why the Lord would allow this job to be taken away. And as they were processing the book of Joshua, as they were processing the, the, the numerous times that God had told the people, do not forsake the Lord. Do not abandon the Lord to serve other gods with little g's. For the first time, it clicked in their mind. And the wife said to the husband, I think I know why the Lord took your job away. Quite honestly, your job was your God. And how good was God to take away the other God so that two years later we could walk knowing Him, more intimate with Him, more in love with Him than we have ever been and seeing all the onward progress in our life that never would have happened if the God with the big G hadn't decapitated the God with the little g. And as they were sharing this story, they were just filled with joy saying, this is, this, we're just so grateful for the trial. And even though we didn't understand it at the time, what were they doing? They were modeling to their family, to their children, and even to their church what it means, what it looks like 
to know God, even in a difficult circumstance? Do you model to your children what it looks like to know God and to walk with God and to discern the ways of God? Or is it when something goes wrong, you get mad at God because you just don't really know Him or trust Him the way that Joshua trusted Him and knew Him? And so we can model for our children what it looks like to know God. Here's the second thing. Speak often about what the Lord has done for you. Again, look here in Judges chapter 2 and uh, verse 10. All that generation who gathered to their fa- were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, or notice the work that he had done for Israel. Now, we've spent the last 17 weeks studying and speaking of the work that the Lord had done for Israel. Do you remember all that the Lord had done? Let me just give you a little reminder. It was God that called Joshua to be strong and courageous. At that point, Israel was leaderless because Moses had just died. Now, it's interesting here that Joshua and the elders called attention to what the Lord had done for Israel. Do you think it was a temptation for Joshua to take any credit for what was done? I mean, all of this happened under his leadership. But what he wanted that generation to know, it wasn't Joshua that did these things. Joshua is not the hero of the book of Joshua. God is the hero of the book of Joshua. And it was God that called Joshua and gave him the strength and gave him the courage to go onward. Do you remember the story of Rahab? Rahab was a prostitute. Can you imagine all the shame, all the guilt, all the sexual abuse that she'd experienced? And yet God was so gracious to rescue her out of that land and then use Rahab to rescue the spies that had come in? Do you remember that it was God that cut off the waters of the Jordan and allowed them to cross over on dry ground? It was God that caused the walls of Jericho to fall. It was God that exposed the sin of Achan, and it was God that gave them victory over Ai in game two. And um, it was God that made the sun stand still. It was God that gave strength to 85-year-old Caleb that gave him the strength of a 40-year-old. It was God that gave the, the, the 12 tribes the land, and it was God that gave the land rest, and it was God that made every promise come true, and it was God that gave them a land on which they had not labored and cities that they had not built. That's the story of Joshua. And the next generation didn't know what you now know. Because it wasn't spoken of. The story wasn't told. And we read the book of Joshua, we have to understand that the book of Joshua models for us what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We learned early that the word Joshua is actually the same word translated into Greek as Jesus. It just simply means God saves And so we read the book of Joshua and we have to think and we have to speak of what Jesus has done for us that's modeled for us in the book of Joshua. Do you understand? You and I were Rahab. 
guilty as Rahab, guilty as a prostitute, as worthy of judgment as a prostitute. And you and I were Achan who had sinned and stood worthy of death, worthy of every stone that God would bury us with. And yet what did Jesus do? Jesus said, you can stone me and treat me as if I was as guilty as Achan so that all of those modern-day Achans and all of those modern-day Rahabs could be forgiven and set free. Is that the kind of stories that you tell in your home and remind your children of? This is the great thing that God has done for us. We need to speak often of what Jesus has done on the cross. And then not just that, but the daily practical things that God does every day to prove that God is fighting for us. Do you understand that God is still fighting for you? And do you see him at work all around you? Um, Memorial Day, I don't know what you did on Memorial Day. We had a day off and we had a friend in our church who has a boat and they invited us to go out on the boat, which we love to do. And uh, our friend who has the boat loves to go and take his boat on the St. Joseph River and ski on the river. Now, do you understand that skiing on a river is kind of like skiing on an obstacle course? I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in the river that you can't see and you could hit. We enjoyed just a wonderful day of skiing, and, and I was driving the boat. It was kind of the last round, and, um, and I, I was driving the boat along, and I hit something. And there was this horrible noise that came from the motor. And so we turned it off, and we realized something major had just happened. I hit a huge log or something, maybe a dead body, Al Capone, I don't know, something in the river, it, you know, broke the motor. And sure enough, um, as we inspected it, I mean, the big brackets were busted. There was oil leaking, and it was bad news. We had to get a tow back from another boat, and it was a bad day. Now, in the boat was my daughter who had plans to go to Silver Beach. She was going to meet a friend and go to Silver Beach for, to, to watch the sunset. And because we were dead in the water, it delayed her trip. And, um, and Brooke was not really excited about this. And like, you know, it's a bad day now, and I'm not going to get to do what I wanted to do. And, and um, so we were delayed about an hour, and we finally made it back to shore. Brooke finally made it to Silver Beach about an hour later than she'd planned on being on the beach. And as soon as they got there, they decided instead of going to the beach, they would go up on the bluff, kind of where the ice cream shops and everything are. And as soon as they got there, they heard gunshots down on the beach. And everybody on the beach started running for their lives. There was just a mass of humanity that was running off the beach up the bluff. What if we hadn't hit that log in the river. What if Brooke had arrived on time at the beach? Could it be that God actually was at work in me destroying my friend's boat? <laughs> That's my story. I'm sticking with it. I'm just trying to counsel my friend. But when we tell that story, how do we speak how good is God to fight 
for us. Is that the way you speak of the Lord? Speak often of what the Lord has done for you. And then finally this, point them onward toward battles yet to be won. Let me read to you some of the saddest verses in the Bible, continuing here in Judges 2 verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They started going backward and they served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods with little g's from among the gods of the peoples who were around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. And they abandoned the Lord and they served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to the plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them, the Lord's keeping his promises still, and they were in terrible, terrible distress. There they are. And they lost all the onward progress that they had made in the 110 years that Joshua led them. It's a tragedy when we do not multiply what the Lord has done in our own lives to our children. If you're a parent, you probably are aware or at least need to be aware of this verse in Psalm 127 verses 4 and 5. Let me read it to you. And it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, and he shall not be put to shame when his enemies speak of him in the gate. Now, just think about this. The Lord gives us an analogy here of the next generation being like arrows. Now, if the next generation are arrows, what does that make this generation? The bow. As a parent, you're a bow. I would like to think of our church as a bow. And the Bible says that God has given us arrows. This is known as the quiver. The quiver holds the arrows. But the arrows are not intended to stay in the quiver. Now, in church, they are. But if you go hunting, you are a sorry hunter if you just leave the arrows in the quiver. The goal is to get the arrow in flight and to get the arrow to fly straight. So our job in this generation is to straighten the arrows and to sharpen the arrows so that when the arrow is shot toward a goal, when it arrives, it does damage. It makes an impact. So God wants us as parents to think about who's next. What's the next bullseye? What are you aiming your children at? What are you pointing them toward? 
Now, I said this message has implications for us as a parent. You can think of the different things like, but do your children understand that you're not to stay in the quiver or the basement for that matter? <laughs> you have a purpose. And if I'm doing a good job as a bow, I am going to point you in a direction. I am going to give you all the momentum you're going to need to fly straight and to make an impact when you get there because there is something God wants you to do that is onward beyond anything I've ever been able to do. That's the, that's the, that's the way a parent talks. That's also the way a pastor talks about his church when he wants the church to go onward. Our church is seven years old. Um, not 110, seven. And we can look back over seven years and see some territory that's been conquered. We can see some victories that have been won. And we can sit back and we can say, whoo, this work's been hard, but God's been good. And we can just sit here and be satisfied with how far we come. Or we can apply what we've been studying for 17 weeks as a church and say, who's got next? What's next for us as a church? I've been thinking about that question. There's some obvious things staring us in the face. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but uh, it's getting a little harder to find a seat again in church. Some churches have problems of finding people to fill the seats. Our church has problem finding seats for the people that are showing up. And so we've got questions to ask as an elder team. Lord, what's next for us? Does that mean we need to plant something? Does that mean we need to expand something? And uh, those are questions right now that we're seeking the Lord about. Please pray for us as we think about what's next for our church. Lord, what do you want to call us onward to? I think one of the things that the Lord's been burning my heart about is just thinking about where the Lord has strategically placed our church. Our church is in a college town. Have you noticed that? There are colleges and universities that surround us. Do you understand what that means? There are over 25,000 college students within a 30-minute drive of our church. And what are we doing to reach them? There's the next generation. How many of you could get excited about going onward into some territory where college students are. Anybody want to sign up for that ministry? As we've talked about Joshua, and there's been times in the 17 weeks that we've studied this, I've showed you maps of, of Israel. And uh, do you remember the maps? You, here's a map. I just pulled this one down from Google Maps. This is a modern-day map of Israel. I just want you to look at that for a minute, okay? All eyes on the screen. Just look at that. You can notice... There's two water features there. There's at the top, that's the Sea of Galilee. And there's a river that flows out. It's called the Jordan River. That's the river they had to cross over to enter into the Promised Land. It flows south and eventually lands in the Dead Sea. Now, I want you to just look at that for a second. Does that remind you of anything? Does that look like any map close to us. Uh, that's Berrien County today. There's a river that runs through it. It's called the St. Joseph River. Now down there in the bottom right, you see a star. That's where we are right now. That's Granger. That's Harvest Bible Chapel. 
to get to Berrien County, you, you realize you have to cross over the St. Joseph River to get there. You see that star up there at the top? Uh, we've actually spent, we've sent spies into the land. And there is a YMCA that sits at that intersection right up there. And it's the, the only time of the week that parking lot is not filled is on Sunday morning. And we've talked to the people at the YMCA. It's like, um, would you be interested in us like putting a church here? And so do you understand there's people in our church that live in Berrien County? How many of you live in Berrien County? And you drive a, a significant amount of time to get here. There, there, there's about 50 people that have been nagging me for about two years for us to plant a campus of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger in Berrien County. Well, I told you I was excited. And one of the reasons I'm excited is because today I'm going to introduce you to the Joshua who's going to lead us to plant the campus in Berrien County. His name is Jamie Maxim. And I'm going to invite Jamie and his wife, Angie, to come join me up here on the platform because I want to introduce to you the campus pastor of Harvest Granger who's going to lead us into that land. He'll be the shepherd. He'll be the leader at that campus. That means he's responsible to, to minister to that core group, give vision, direction, and leadership uh, to, to that group mm -hmm. and, um, and get the word out. Uh, what will take place on that campus up there, there'll be a live worship team, so you can be praying for Micah and the worship team. Uh, you've seen some different worship leaders up on this platform. Well, now we're going to need two worship leaders on a Sunday morning, one here and one up there. We're going to need two bands up there. We're going to need two children's ministry teams up there. We're going to need ushers and greeters and all the things that happen around here on a Sunday. We've got to multiply that up there. So I hope the Lord is pricking your heart about those things. Why don't you stand together with me? I'm going to pray for Jamie and pray for Berrien County. And would you join me in believing God to do something miraculous there through our church? Father, thank you for calling us onward. And Lord, we feel uh, the weight of that. I know Jamie does. I pray that you would fill his heart with strength and courage. Pray the same for Angie and their family. God, thank you for their, their boldness to pursue you with all their hearts. And I pray, Lord, that uh, they would model for us what it means uh, to pursue you and to love you, to worship you, to obey you. And I pray, God, for uh, people in our church that would uh, uh, say, I've got next. Give me something to do. I want to follow the Lord onward into the next season of my life. And so, God, we... Uh, we need you. We commit this work to you. Thank you for the promise that you will build your church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you for that promise in Jesus' name. Amen. You've heard in today's message from Pastor Trent Griffith how Harvest Bible Chapel is working towards leaving a godly legacy. And I hope that you've been challenged by this message to consider what it looks like to leave a godly legacy in your life, family, or your church. And if you don't have a church family, we love for you to be a part of what God is doing here at Harvest Bible Chapel. Visit us for a weekend worship service at either our Granger, Indiana, or our St. Joseph, Michigan campus. You can find service times and campus locations and other information about our ministry opportunities on our website 
harvestgranger.org. We'll be back again next week with a brand new series from Pastor Trent Griffith, and we hope you'll join us then. I'm Aaron Paulus. Thanks for being with us today. And I hope that God's word will resonate in your heart and mind this week. Resonate is a radio ministry of Harvest Bible Chapel Granger. Visit us online at harvestgranger.org.